Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Uh, Welcome to church today. We're in this series, as Jago said, uh, in Haggai, uh, called There is Hope. And if you didn't uh, hear Jago's talk last week, can I encourage you to head to the website, do listen to that. And today, this is the second time that God speaks uh, to those who are rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem after they've been exiled in, in Babylon. And this time in chapter two, God, he speaks about former glory. Former glory. Former glory is something that each and every one of you knows only too well, don't you? Not being rude. I think it's just a, it's a recognition there, isn't there? That even you know, on, an, on an individual level, perhaps uh, those of us in the younger generation, there might be the inclination sometimes to just sort of think, actually our parents had it better than us. And then maybe for the older generation, could be tempted to think, that my best days are behind me. So that's the individual level. Then there's, there's the, the, the church level as well, isn't there? You know, after all, we all make up the church. We've just filled in that wonderful form. And uh, perhaps you're someone who thinks, well, when I turn up on Sunday, it's not like it used to be. Now, I don't know everyone's name anymore. They don't know mine. Uh, I'm not even allowed to sing. Uh, what's this all about? And then then on on a macro level, we we think about what the church represents and what the church is, the wider church. And we can think, well, the the church of God, it used to have influence in our society. It used to speak with a prophetic edge. It used to just have a sense of dignity. We're reminded uh, so well yesterday that on these grand and majestic occasions, the, the church provides the nation with a service. Quite, quite literally, a service. You know, a service when someone dies, when someone marries, when someone is born. But the church exists so often on the margins of society, doesn't it? You know, it's there to fulfill a role at, at that time. But that's about it. It's definitely not at the center of everyday life for so many people. It's so easy to think about a former glory and get sort of caught up in nostalgia. We see this in, in verse 3, where the Lord says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? How does it look to you now? The world so often looks at the church, the wider church, and sees something that looks perhaps, perhaps a little bit like an aging rocker living off his former glory. You know, he's got great hair dye, he's wearing the leather jacket, a little bit embarrassing. The, the, the songs haven't changed a bit. And still keeping the, the, the show on the road. And at the, at the risk of sort of overextending the metaphor, are we as the church, are we going to live off the, the royalties of the past? Or are we gonna have impact today? And the question comes from God. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? I think here in Clapham, people urinating on the back of the church is a bit of a giveaway. So glad to see that the portal is put in the other day. And for many, the church is this irrelevant relic, discarded and an object of ridicule. And as we step from one kind of exile into another, 
our exile at home from a pandemic back into a world, back into a world where belief in Jesus Christ is considered ridiculous and is on the fringes. I wonder, how does the church look to you now? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Last week, uh, Jago, he referenced uh, Charles Dickens's A Tale of Two Cities. And today, perhaps I should reference Dickens's great expectations or a lack thereof. And these people in Haggai, their expectations are not great expectations. They are shattered expectations. They are discouraged. We might think, hang on a second, wasn't it just last week that God, he stirs up these people within themselves. He stirs up their, their spirit. That was less than two months ago. You know, they, they had their don't lose heart banner up on the side of the church too. But you see, the, the ones who'd been alive for, for a little bit longer and had seen Solomon's temple, well, they were saying, well, this new building isn't quite up to scratch. And they were complaining. And can you imagine what a drain that must have been to just be around that negativity all the time? with friends like these. And now in Haggai, the, 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 the temple building project is grounding to a halt. It is slowing and enthusiasm is waning and morale is through the floor. And if we're not careful, I think in the context that we're in today, we can too easily absorb and take on the world's view of the church. The world is, is sort of saying to the church, get back in your box. Take up a smaller and increasingly smaller amount of space in our society. And, and God's people in Haggai, they are building a physical temple that is smaller than the previous temple. How often do you and I settle for a vision that is less grand than the one that God has for our lives? But what is God's word to the people in Haggai? He says, verse four, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. What does God command? He says, be strong. Be strong and work. In other words, work in hope. You know, I know what it is to emerge from pain, to emerge from experiences I wouldn't have chosen, and to feel like an empty shell, a shadow of my former self, not able to contribute, not able to to lead even. And God here, he, he, he commands us. This is an instruction. It's not optional. He says to, to work, to, to work as part of the church. And is he saying, get on with it, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps? No, he's saying, I am with you. The promise of his presence. And there's so much in these verses that we could take out of here. But the thing I really do not want you to miss is this, is, is that Jesus' enthusiasm for you is not like ours for his. 
It does not wax and wane. Jesus, he does not have a consumeristic approach to you. He's not swiping left and right depending on the weather. He promises to be with you. He says in verse five, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. He is the God of covenant, so therefore he is the God of commitment. Not just a parting the Red Sea in Egypt, but parting his own body for you and me on the cross and letting his own blood pour out for you and me. It's the same God who says, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And so when I'm tempted to, to, to dial down or to dial out, to be anxious, to be fearful, to, to dream small, to think small, to be curved in on myself, Yes, I need to remember the past. I need to remember what God has done for me. But there's also a sense, isn't there, that we must not stay in the past. We must not live and dwell in the past. We can get caught up in former glory and miss the present reality of God's presence with us. In the good old days we did this, in the good old days we saw God do that, we saw amazing things happen. And we miss out on what God has for us in the present, his empowering spirit, strengthening you, driving away fear. And then there's those voices, aren't there? Those, those people that will tell you, well, you know, everybody knows that lightning never strikes twice. You can't reheat a souffle. What's the use in manufacturing again a building? And the enemy, he will tell you such things, but God is saying here, there is hope. He is the God of covenant, and therefore he is, the, he is a God who is consistent. He was the Lord Almighty to Moses, and he was the Lord Almighty hanging on the cross. And still he is the Lord Almighty in 2021, the year of our Lord. So back to God's question in verse three about the house. How does it look to you now? It may seem to others like it is nothing. That's what they see. But I wonder what do you see? What do you see when you see the church of Jesus Christ? Because it's quite possible for two different people to look at the same thing and to see very different things, isn't it? I mean, perhaps people might be aware of a building on Clapham Common that's about as old as Australia, about as old as the United States. And do you see all the, the things that the world sees about the church? Or I wonder, do you see people meeting Jesus Christ for the very first time? On Sunday, on Alpha, and every part of the life of our church, really. Do you see a food bank? Do you see an increasingly diverse group of people meeting around the same Jesus Christ, discovering who they are and worshipping him? Do you see the, the, the spirit of the Lord doing a new thing, being at work amongst us? God is saying there is hope. There is hope because I am here. I am here right now and I have not left the building. Of course, the, 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 the church is not perfect. It's far from it. But can I just encourage you that if there's any dissatisfaction that you have right now, make sure that you harness that discontent 
in the right way. It can lead you to cynicism, it can lead you to bitterness, to standing on the fringes, or or not even showing up anymore. Or it can lead you to the center. You can be like the people in in Haggai taking pot shots, you can be like people that just disappear, or you can get your hands dirty. You can can speak words of faith, words that encourage those around you. And, And whether you've been following Jesus for 80 years, or whether you've been following Jesus for two days, the task for each one of us is exactly the same. It's to, yes, remember the past, but it's not to to idolize the past. You can't worship the past and Jesus Christ at the same time. You are called to a living relationship today with the living and risen Jesus Christ, right here, right now. Not to be stuck in memories of yesteryear. If you want to know God's presence in a new way in your life. Can I encourage you to, to to get amongst what God is doing? Observe and see and ask God, what are you doing? And join in with him. Do the kind of work that requires God's help, that requires God's presence. So what are we learning? We're learning in this passage that in order for us to be strong and to to work in hope, it's to, yes, remember the past, but not to dwell in it, not to stay there. It's to, to seek God's presence in the present. But it's also to imagine the future. What did D.L. Moody say? If if God be your partner, then make your plans big. Jago asked us last week what we're most hoping for in our lives and asked us, is God at the center of those hopes? It's a really important question for us to consider because it will inform how we act in the present. And when you put God's plan at the center of your life, of course you're going to need courage because it's so counter-cultural. And amidst a world that is individualistic, ever narrowing and curved in on ourselves. God's work for us to take part in. It's expansive and it's, it's epic in scale. Have a look at, at verse six to nine. Verse six, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. God, he, des- he describes this sort of shaking, this shaking that is happening. What is this Shaking. Well, very conveniently for us, the writer of Hebrews describes exactly uh, this reference here in Hebrews 12, where where he quotes Haggai and says this. The words once more, in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, the created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And we've seen a shaking, haven't we, in our world? A shaking of so much, of, of every institution, and yes, even parts of the church that, that deviate away from God. And if you're feeling discouraged, can I encourage you that it's, it's not the church, but it's our secular world, it's, it's the post-Christian worldview that has flimsy foundations. 
God says in in Haggai 2 verse 7, I will shake all nations. The, The earth, it is rattling at its hinges. And what is going to stay? And that which, the writer of Hebrews says, cannot be shaken. That which lasts is the equivalent of what we see in Haggai of of silver and gold in verse 8. And God says, I will fill this house with glory. Some of you will know I've been been mentioning this word glory quite a bit recently. And, And what is the word for glory that we see here? It's kabod. It is weight. And this glory is not what we see in verse 9. It's not former glory. It is greater. It is weightier glory. It is weightier than the glory of the former house. Solomon's temple may have been far grander, far physically greater than the the, the building that they are building uh, today. But God, he's saying you're using the wrong measuring stick. God's glory, it is present. It is future. It is weighty. And we know from the Bible, don't we, that all the glory of God is found in Jesus Christ. He is the fullness of God's glory. And so just as as people misread, they misinterpret the church, I wonder what is, is heavier on the scales of your life right now. Are they your worries and your fears and your anxieties? Are they your possessions, your all too precious silver and gold? Or is it the full weight, the full force of God Almighty, Jesus' glory filling not only our lives, but the lives of the whole church? Because when we imagine what the future of our lives might be, of what the church might be, Jesus' presence is the destination Being with Jesus is the destination. Jesus' presence is the destination and Jesus' presence is the vehicle to get us there. There is hope and his name is Jesus. Any other hope is false hope. Note that God says in Haggai uh, chapter two, verse seven, what is desired by all nations, Jesus, joy of man's desiring. Jesus is what, each and every one of us is longing for, is really wanting. Just just most people don't recognize it yet. It's what we see at the very end of the Bible in in Revelation chapter 21. It's this this future of, of God dwelling with us and putting everything right. And in our passage, have a look at verse nine. God says, and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Peace, peace, the the shalom, security, safety. It's it's what Jago was talking about last week. There's this completeness and wholeness that we're all craving. Peace with each other and peace with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, because of his covenant with us, secured by his blood. So you and I, we no longer have to go to the temple or to to church to get right with God because Jesus has done that for us already. He himself is our peace. So do not wait until Sunday to get right with God. You and I, we do not go to church to get some sort of spiritual top-up of credit in our account. That is not Christianity. 
Jesus has already paid all our debts. Christ is enough. He himself is our peace. And so we do not go to church. We are the church. We are whole. We are complete, ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. And so the, the, the poorest person in this room today is far infinitely richer than the richest person who does not have Jesus Christ. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. All these riches we have because of Jesus. And so those of you who do know Jesus, is Jesus your heart's desire right now? Not Jesus if he gives you that relationship. Not Jesus if he gives you that job. Not Jesus if he orchestrates that outcome in your life that you're hoping for. But Jesus, no strings attached. Is Jesus himself your riches? Can you imagine if we all behaved as if that was really true? That in Jesus we have all we need. Imagine that, that as the church both gathered and scattered, as Jago was saying last week, we are, we are temples of the Holy Spirit and increasingly mobile as we emerge out of this pandemic, out of exile at home, into a brave new world out there in London. Each of us not looking to get, but each of us looking to give, to give the manifest presence of God and his peace. Not people who are incomplete or afraid or lacking, but people who stand up straight with their shoulders back. Strong, not in themselves, but strong because they are carrying the presence of God. Can you imagine what it would also be like for each of us to, to pile into here on Sunday and acting if that were true? Then all the people coming in here on Sunday who don't yet know that peace, they don't yet know that shalom, the shalom that is what they're really desiring, what they're hoping for. They find their peace amongst the people of peace, the people of God's presence. How does the church look to you now? Does it not seem to you like everything? Former glory, we're not returning to a former glory. Coming to church is not a nostalgia trip. HDC, you ain't seen nothing yet. We thank God for the blue plaque outside our church building. We thank God for Wilberforce. We thank God for the Clapham sect. We have an inspiring past, but we also have an exciting future. And Jesus says, I will build my church. Will you join him? For we are awaiting a future glory that cannot be shaken and with Jesus, the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand? As, as the band come up, uh, I would love to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us. To, to, to perhaps some of us seal what we've been hearing, what we've been, what's been happening in the worship already by his spirit. So maybe uh, you, you might like to close your eyes, you might like to hold out your hands. God, we say, come Holy Spirit. We thank you for your work amongst us here already today.
we ask you to fall afresh on us. Jesus, we thank you that you're here by your Holy Spirit. And that you promised your glory to live inside each one of us. Perhaps you're just aware right now the weight of your life has been in other things and not in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is just pinpointing for you right now what that thing might be. And let's just confess that before him. And Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. I wonder if for some of us there's just been a negative loop going on in our minds. We've been listening to negativity Perhaps we've even been speaking negativity over our lives or other people's lives. And let's just confess that now. God, we pray that you would put within each one of us words of encouragement, words of life, words of faith and hope to speak to those around us. God, would you drive out fear for those who, who hear the call but are afraid God we pray that your perfect love would drive out fear God says do not be afraid for I am with you Holy Spirit, I ask that you give each one of us your perspective on how you see each one of us and what it is that you're calling us to do to be part of, of building your church. God, would you be laying on us passions and hopes, speaking to us about the skills that you've given us. And Jesus, may we have your view, may we have your heart for your church. And Jesus, we, as we worship you now, we thank you uh, for all the riches in you. You are our glory. Be the, the glory that fills our lives, that fills each part of this church. And God, we pray that your glory would fill Clapham too. In Jesus' name, amen.